Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to the latest episode of The Command Zone. You may have noticed we're coming out with a lot of additional content right now because Commander 2018 is here and we want to cover everything about it. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. How's it? Did I say how's it? I think I forgot to say how's it. You're you're losing it, Josh. Too many episodes. Too many episodes in a row here. So this episode, you know, in the past four, we've covered each deck sort of in-depth quick tune-up so you can sort of take it out of the box, play it right away, give it a chance against real decks. Know what the strategies, the synergies, how everything works together, really. Get a good feel for the deck just before you actually buy it so you know whether you want to buy it, which one you want to buy. Um, Spoiler alert, the answer is buy them all. (laughs) That's true. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. But now we wanted to take a look at the entirety of the set and sort of the cards in the context of the greater world of commander the entire format rather than specifically for this deck or for that deck and honestly there were some cards that we just didn't really touch on when we did the other uh, deck reviews and we wanted to be able to talk about so this is the commander 2018 set review if a card is something we went very in depth on before we probably won't hear this is an opportunity to talk about cards that maybe we just barely touched on or ones we you know, for other reasons, just didn't talk about it all. So before we get into all that, we're about to talk about the entire set of Commander 2018. Like DJ said, he's getting them all. I'm getting them all. If you want to order one or all of them, you can pre-order right now at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your stuff, you really are supporting the command zone, game nights, everything. If you like all this additional content we're doing, that's a really good way to help support that because you know, we're doing a ton of extra episodes here, and that requires not just DJ and I to do a bunch of extra work, but more importantly, the editors and the people we have behind the scenes that are putting all this stuff together so that it's, you know, everyone talks about our production quality and how easy it is to watch our stuff. Well, it's really those people that make that stuff happen and supporting our content through things like our affiliate link. Again, cardkingdom.com slash command zone is what allows this stuff to happen. So the other way to support the content, if you really like it, is on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can just contribute directly to us, which is another great way to support the show. And we have various rewards for our patrons, including getting to see Game Nights earlier than anybody else, which Game Nights is going to be coming out in early August. 
and it's going to be themed around Commander 2018. So if you want to see that before everybody, get I on I want to see Patreon. these cards in action, really. That's right. You get to see what these cards can do when they hit the battlefield. So patreon.com slash command zone. Okay. Let's go on to our main topic here, the Commander 2018 set review. So another thing we're not going to talk about is the Commanders. We've already talked about all the Commanders. So go back and watch the previous videos if you want to talk about Commanders. But let's go into some of the cards we didn't get a chance to mention, including a few cycles. Yeah, there are a number of cycles in here. There are at least three, right, that I can see. And one we barely touched on is the Loyal cycle. I guess it's the Lieutenant cycle, right? Lieutenants are back. I really like Lieutenants. These are a little bit underpowered compared to the old lieutenants. Though. They feel lackluster. It's true. So lieutenant is a mechanic that cares about if you have your commander on the battlefield. There's, It's a cycle because there's a one in each color. They all have the word loyal at the start. So there's loyal apprentice, loyal guardian, loyal unicorn, loyal subordinate, and loyal drake. Let's just decide that the unicorn is the best because it's, it's a, a unicorn. unicorn. <laughs> okay, so... Each of these sort of has an effect if your commander's out on the battlefield. We can we can read them. So Loyal Unicorn is three and a white for a three four, has lieutenant, sorry, has vigilance. And it says, Lieutenant, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to creatures you control this turn. Other creatures you control gain vigilance at the end of turn. So Loyal Unicorn ha- what's the is it the Boros God that does this? Um, oh, yeah. Voros God makes your attacking creatures indestructible and right. it gives them some minor evasion. So this is all combat damage that would be dealt to creatures you control, not to and by. So your creatures still deal damage. They don't take damage. And they all have vigilance. So this is a go wide. A lot of times go wide decks have a lot of small things and they don't want to swing in because I've got six things, you've got two, but you're going to eat two of my things if I swing at you. Well, this kind of takes that off the table. You don't get to eat my stuff. Plus with Vigilance, I can still block the crackback. Yeah. I think one thing that, the reason why this didn't get mentioned is that lieutenants are by definition narrow. If you don't have your commander out, these don't do the cool effect. This is just uh, four CMC for a three, four Vigilance. Not good enough. Not good enough. Yeah. Not good enough. And so you need to have that extra hoop, which means that, Uh, you open yourself up to a little bit of risk. I could see this in a white-green deck. You know, uh, white-red has a few options. Tajik does a similar thing. Mm -hmm. Like we said, the Boros God, there's a few others. But in white-green, you do run into that. In those tokeny decks, you run into that problem of, I can't attack. So really quickly, the red one creates Thopters, uh, and then that's something that synergizes with Sahili, and sometimes it's good to make Thopters. The green one adds plus one, plus one counters. We know that there's plus one, plus one counter decks out there. Uh, the blue one has evasion and has flying, but it lets you draw a card. Maybe an Edric Dex or something like that where you need to draw cards. I mean, a Windrake that draws a card, that could be fine. I, yeah, go ahead. And the black one? And the black one uh, drains your opponents for three life. Each opponent. Not drains because you don't get the life. It's just... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, Deals. each opponent loses three life. You're right. So it does nine damage. That's pretty if good. It's in a four it's player men- game. It's got menace, so it can get in. Yeah. It's a three mana three one with menace. That's the black one. I think the blue one's the best one. It's two and a blue for a two two flyer, which is mostly fine. And then if Lieutenant uh at the beginning of combat on your turn draw a card. But you so. would never play a Windrake in Commander. Right, but I so would play a one sided howling mine. Yeah. And I think in a deck and you would want you want your um commander to cost two or four. So that I play it and then play this before combat, draw a card mm-hmm. immediately, or I play it and then the next turn I play my four drop commander and I draw a card. I'd rather I'd much rather have a Thrasios or a two drop or something. And again, Thrasios doesn't need this card, but 
if you have a true drop commander in blue, you could think about Loyal Drake, I think, because play it immediately draws you a card. And then if it's out for two more turns, it's kind of Phyrexian Arena. It's so you need you need your commander in this to stay out on the battlefield at least two combat phases. Combat phases is better than upkeep, but combat phases to make this a divination and with a little bit of damage, that should be fine. I don't think that's too hard. It, remember our Phyrexian Arena conversation, how you were saying it takes three turns? I do remember that. Right. Well, this could only take two turns to to equal a divination, right? Because it can draw you a card the turn it comes out. Absolutely. Which Phyrexian Arena won't do. So... Yeah. That's actually, you know, playable. Is it great? No. Yeah. So these are not things that we're super excited about, but some of them could be playable and you might find a home for them in your deck. Maybe. I guess so. The green one seems really bad. Five mana, four, four that adds one plus one plus one counter. That's just not. I mean. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry. It's to your whole team. Oh, it's to your whole team. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was one. Okay, never mind. That's decent. That's decent, I guess. That's fine. Yeah. I, I think that we're immediately hesitant because we have to imagine a situation where we have a good creature and our commander out on the battlefield. And in some of the situations like this uh, rhino, I love rhinos and unicorns, but um, and narwhals. And this rhino, you also need a team to pump as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You need a lot more. So it's a lot of hoops. Yeah. Okay. So that cycle we're not crazy about. There is a very interesting cycle beyond that. It's a storm cycle. So storm is... Ironically, a mechanic that Mark Rosewater has basically said they're never going to revisit, and yet they're. And yet we have Crow Storm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, unstable is a different thing. Um, but this storm cycle is all. It's Commander Storm, so that's not an official title. But the, let me read one, and you'll understand. It's through. It's called Echo Storm. Three blue blue. When you cast this spell, copy it for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game. That's the first line of text on all of these cards, and that's the storm aspect. It storms according to how many times in the game you've cast your commander. So let's prime command our, zone. Let's prime our thinking here. Yes. How many times are we expecting to cast our commander from the command zone? Again, because of game nights, I have a lot of sort of access to paying attention to a. It's still a small sample size, but twenty or something commander games, and I'll tell you that it's very rare that you go above three. Okay, so maybe we're thinking two. Now remember, you copy this for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone in this game. So, so if you, you cast it, you get one, even if you've never cast your commander, and then you get the extra copy. So if you've cast your commander twice, you'll get three copies of whichever. So it's from. easy to get two of these, and it gets a little bit harder to get three, and it's very difficult to get four. Four is rare, and then yeah, up from there, five, six is just very rare. Now, obviously, these are gonna get better the lower CMC your commander is, because if you have a six drop commander, the chances that you cast it even three times in a game is very low, but a two drop commander, it just has a more likelihood of happening because the third time you cast it, what's it cost? Six? That's not... That's that's where you're starting with some commanders. So that really could determine the playability of some of these. Okay, I got a good idea like in my head now. Let's see what these effects are. Okay, so Echo Storm was the three blue blue. Has Commander Storm. Copy it for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game. You may choose new targets for the copies. I think they all say that too. So create a token that's a copy of target artifact. So for three blue blue, you 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 make a token that's a copy of an artifact. That's bad. <laughs> but for three blue blue, if you what if you made two copies of an artifact? That's getting okay. I think that's pretty good. And then if you make three copies, I like that a lot. Then it's really good. Yeah. So this you clearly is, need to have artifacts in your deck and artifacts that you want to copy. Most decks, how many artifacts do you think you need to th even think about running this card, regardless of the the CMC of your general part? 
You need a tw- you need you a dedicated need tw- artifact yeah. deck, or do you need like fifteen artifacts in your deck? I would not run it with fifteen because a lot of the times your artifacts are like um, a mind stone. Or do you want to copy your mind stone three times? Fine, but not that great. It's not worth it if you're making gilded lotuses with it, basically. Yeah. Or unless you're Vidalcan Ories that does nothing. Yeah, it does nothing. Yeah. So like I that. think you definitely need uh, something really impactful. Mer Battle Spheres. Uh, you make worm coil engines. That sounds good to me. What if you have key artifacts that you normally search for and things like that? So Panharmonicon, you know. I want so many Panharmonicons. Well, maybe you make one and you stack. These are stacked, right? Copies. Yeah. So you make one and then the second two, you target an artifact with an ETB effect like Solemn Simulacrum. Why would I do that when I can make more Panharmonicons? Well, then you got to cast something afterwards to make sure you get value. But sure, I see what you're saying. And, and you're not wrong. Um, You've sold me, Josh. Panharmonic. One artifact is all you need. A panharmonicon. I, I think you could think Next about it card. depending on, you know, not just how many artifacts you have, but if your deck is built around reliably getting certain artifacts, you might be able to think about this card. Uh, you want a low CMC general, though. I don't think. I don't think any of these storm cards are probably playable if your general is five or more CMC. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go down the list of the other two. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe. Or the other two. The we'll other see. four. Skull storm. It's a storm of skulls. That sounds painful. Uh, Josh, how do you feel about seven black black? Well, I already don't like it. Each- nine mana? <laughs> Expropriate cost nine, nine mana. That's your bar. Go. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. Each opponent who can't loses half their life rounded up. So, no. This is an edict of <laughs> This is a single edict. This seems- Just sacrifice a creature. Well, if, it's the, you if storm they can't. It, you storm it, yeah. So if they have two creatures and you have and you storm this twice, so you get three copies of it basically total. They kill both their creatures and then they and lose then half, their, half life. their life for nine mana. No, what's the torment of hailfire? That's a very that's good, just that's a very good card. Josh. That's just better than this card every time, right? Maybe not for nine mana though. A torment of hailfire for nine mana is seven activations. It's a lot. It's pretty good. I mean, you're you're right. It's pretty good. They're gonna sac- so sacrifice two things. Then that means that there's Discard five activations left. Two or three cards That's and then 15 take fifteen damage. damage. Yeah, which is likely to be half their life. I mean, that doesn't make that doesn't make Torment of Hailfire seem that much better than this. But Torment but, of Hailfire scales a lot better and doesn't uh-huh. require your the commander to, to, have di- uh, to you to cast your commander. We're talking about a situation where you've cast your commander two times from your command zone this game. Which is not a huge hoop, but I think it's still this just seems bad. I don't I don't like it. Don't like it. Move on. Okay, Genesis Storm. Four green green uh, sorcery. When you cast this spell, copy it, blah, 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 command zone. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land permanent. You may put that card onto the battlefield. Then put all the cards revealed this way uh, that weren't put on the battlefield on the bottom of your library anywhere. So it's like it finds the next permanent and puts it out and then storms and does that. Green already does this and it Better. does it really well. Yeah. See the unwritten Genesis or but, you know what else I like? Genesis wave is good. How about Silvala's Stampede? Yeah, Silvala's Stampede, uh, another it's underrated great. card. Yeah, Because literally like Silvala's Stampede is 6 CMC. Oh my gosh, 6 CMC. And if you're playing a four player game, you guarantee to get four creatures going around. In order to get four, you have to play your commander three times? Yeah. You don't guarantee it with Silvala. If they all pick hand and you don't have that many, That's you don't true. get to. But yes, by the way, Pick hand. Don't no. I play Savala Stampede. Don't pick library. You don't know what they have in their hand. Right, but those are they're, then they're getting to, to draw the card. Their library too. could be anything. Pick, pick even the, the, pick the hand. 
They don't at least get the card advantage. Just, you know what? You don't want everyone, you don't want to agree with your other opponents. Just pick opposite of the person before you every single time. Politics, it's so hard. Okay, so Genesis Storm, it just doesn't seem good. And also, imagine the times where you have it in your hand and you've only cast your commander one time or maybe, I guess not zero times because you can just cast your commander instead. But it just doesn't. It seems too risky. You're going to get two lands. It's, is it non-land? No, I think it's non-land. Oh, non-land. Yeah. But you can get, But like, it's a permanent. You can get your Sakura Rampart Trivar- or Elder like and a yeah. Rock, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, instead, I would like to cast Empirical Storm. Imper- Imperial Storm. Uh, Why'd they spell Imperial like that? Because it's like... Um, 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 it's like Duretti? It's not... A, it's Dure- not a, it's not imperial it's like Derevi, like, imperial tactician no, no it's not like imperial like oh, from it's like empirical. empires it's in, like from empirical yeah okay like it's a storm out of nothing okay uh four white white for sorcery um yeah when you cast a spell copy it blah 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 create a four four white angel creature token with flying so okay six mana for four four angel bad bad um six mana for two four four angels not great, but uh, okay. Yeah. Six mana for three is pretty good. That's in Treat the Angels territory where you'd pay five for three. Seems like in Treat the Angels is better. Well, it depends on the deck, right? If you're able to manipulate the top of your library and Treat's better. But if you're not, this is going to do a decent impression at the mana cost you would like, right? Because in Treat's not that great for three mana because you just get one, even though the rate's good. Mm-hmm. You mostly want to cast it for five or more. Yeah. In which case, this is six, and you know. Do you know what I like with this? The um, the Slesnia token general, Tristani. Oh, I like it with Tristani, but also the one mana CMC one. Reese, Reese the Redeemed. Yeah. Uh, where he cares about tokens, Tristani cares about. He's tokens. a one drop. He's a one drop. He always he gets, gets killed. killed all the time. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of cast and Tristani yeah. too. You're gonna have you know, anointed procession you parallel want lives Tristani and stuff in there. Exactly. Yeah. So that seems fine with that kind of stuff. At least I can think of the deck that wants that. And yeah. and yeah, it seems decent. Okay. And the last one is a red one. It's Fury Storm. It's two red red. And it says the storm thing. However many times you've cast your commander from the command zone, you make copies. And then you copy target instant or sorcery spell. Choose new targets for the copy. This is an instant, by the way. I think of all of them, it's the only instant. Yeah. Um, it's wow, that's, that's good. This is forking. And it's actually fork costs red red. So two forks should cost four mana. Reiterate with buyback is five. Well, reiterate is is three, and then right. with buyback it's, is five. It's six. Was right? it six? It's six. Jeez. Um, there's a lot of things like that that do fork effects, and they cost three already. So even just one fork can be close to three mana. Depending. Wild ricochet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Copies and redirects. Redirects. And stuff? Yeah. So this actually costs maybe one more, but maybe you copy it twice. That could be extremely powerful. It's an instant, so you can... Ooh. Yeah, this might be the best of the bunch. It could be anyone's spell. It That seems really powerful. Yeah, somebody end of turn does the Mystic Confluence draw three cards thing, and you go, you know what? I'd like nine cards. <laughs> you know, something like that. Oh, That's man. just a base case, or they expropriate. You know what? I'd like three expropriates. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, top, the top end is crazy on this right. card. Right, right. And even even the bottom end of just seriously just one, copying something. It's not the when worst. you when you need it. When you need it, you need it. If you need to copy a counterspell, you need to copy the counterspell. Yeah, it's a little above rate, but that's not crazy. It's not nine mana. It's four mana. I think this card is actually pretty decent and is going to see some play. I might put it in my Vile Smasher deck. What are you going to copy? Expropriate. Oh, okay. My own Obviously. expropriate. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Man. It's a pretty good one. 
I or like I'll Emrakul somebody else's turn and have them cast a spell and then I'll whatever. That's a good one too. <laughs> okay. What do you think about this whole cycle, That's, the storm cycle? Uh, it's interesting. And I think they were purposefully and smartly careful with it. I agree. Keeping the, it would be very easy to make those broken. So keeping the CMC high seems good, but I do think the, the red one's the best one. Okay. So our last cycle is not a full cycle of five. It's a cycle of four because there are four precon decks. And they're each named for the Planeswalker in that deck. So it's Aminatu's Augury, Sahili's Directive, Windgrace's Judgment, and Estrid's Invocation. Let's read them one at a time here. Um, they're all pretty good. And we talked about each one of these. One of them's really good. Yeah, we talked about each one of these in the set review, but we thought that this is a cycle, and it really is good enough to point out again. And I think, yeah, a lot of these are good enough to play outside of this commander deck totally. specifically. They'll, they'll make it out into the wide world of commander. So Estrid's Invocation is two and a blue for an enchantment. And you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any enchantment you control, except it gains at the beginning of your upkeep. You may exile this enchantment if you do return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So this is a copy enchantment that blinks itself so that it can become you know, whatever the new best enchantment is that's out there. Do you know what I've decided I want to copy with that? What? Paradox Haze. The one that gives you two upkeeps. Two upkeeps. So you get three upkeeps. And it triggers off of itself It triggers and just... And then you can do weird stuff with the upkeeps. I don't even know what happens, but I'm excited about that. Yeah, because if you you stack it, so both Paradox Keeps go on the stack, and then this trigger goes on the bottom. You get two... No, but then it won't be the... Oh, yeah, at the next upkeep... There's weird stuff going on, yeah. I think you just draw at that point, right? Like, you just have infinite upkeeps? No, you can't have infinite upkeeps. <laughs> yeah, because on the next upkeep, this has a comeback, right? It If you do, return it to the battlefield under owner's control, yeah. So, we're getting in, we're getting deep waters right now. I don't right know. Now. I need a we're, judge. We're live, I need a judge. We're on camera, and we're judge. trying to, on, we're trying to talk about infinite I'm upkeeps. Ent- on MTGO, but these cards don't usually come out on MTGO. But if they did, I think that would be draw. Or you I would, would time out. That sounds great. Or to you me. would time out. You might time out. Oh um, my gosh! Could you imagine if we just gave everyone a, a like a two card six mana combo draw the game? <laughs> that sounds like something Wedge would do. <laughs> uh, okay, so Zur, this is a three mana oh, enchantment. It is three, and this seems really good in Zur because you get it out and copy whatever awesome thing you tutored it for the turn before, and then it becomes the next awesome thing you tutor for later. That seems really good. There's so many powerful enchantments. Just there's so many of them, and this can rebuy them over and over again. Uh, the only thing you could say is it says enchantment you control, so that does temper it a, a little bit. Not can't a, not steal a lot. that Sunbird's invocation or that right uh, mind's dilation. Like that. Oh my Zendikar oh. resurgent. <laughs> By the way, this go. I mean, you don't, it doesn't have to be a mono blue deck. Yeah, yeah, you can just. No, no, yeah, you can put it into. Oh my gosh! Know. All right, I mean. The pot- like we're just naming off enchantments that are great. It seems it seems pretty good though. I, I think this is if how many enchantments do you need in your but deck? We're, we're naming like the high end of enchantments, but like even the low end of enchantments, the the tension spheres, the uh, all of those other. What about we, your carpet of flowers? Oh, I would love that. You have so two much. of them. And I then when you don't that. need on the turn, you don't need mana. You go oh, okay. Well, I'll change it into something oh, else. Oh my gosh, Josh! That seems good. I am in love with this card. <laughs> All right. Well, this card I think though is the best of the bunch. I uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's just it so too, good though. It yeah, means yeah. I love it less. They I made just this one two color. I think on purpose. Wind Grace's Judgment, three black green for an instant for any number of opponents. Destroy target non-land permanent that player controls. 
So kill, it's, kill, kill, instant speed. Scales with your game. So if you happen to be playing a five-player game, you get to blow up four things. Four-player game, three things. Instant. The card is great. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't need to. It's just instant speed vindicates. Just play it Not in vindicate. Your, play it uh, in your Golgari decks. It's great. Yeah, that's a staple. Maelstrom, th- Maelstrom Pulse, kind of. I think one of um, Putrefy is like one of the top played Golgari Very cards. Very popular, played it's all like, over. It the might place. be the number one most played Golgari card. It's it's like top three. This is better probably than Putrefy. It's close because the mana cost is a little bit higher, but this gets rid of three things. And enchantments, planeswalkers. Yeah, Putrefy doesn't hit everything. So yeah, I could see this being just sort of a better version Gosh. of that. Okay. The next one is Sahili's Directive. It's red, 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 and X for a sorcery, but it has improvise, which means each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic mana of the cost. So you can tap your artifacts to add mana to the spell for the X cost. Then you reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put any number of artifact cards with converted mana costs X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Then put all cards revealed this way onto the bottom or that weren't put onto the battlefield into your graveyard. So a couple of things going on here. One is it's if you make X equal to 10, it's going to look at the top 10 cards and then you get to cast any artifacts that cost 10 or less from among them directly on the battlefield. So it's kind of a villainous wealth or Genesis wave. Genesis wave or well, Genesis wave doesn't care about the casting cost of the thing, right? It just, yeah, it does. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. What am I thinking? Never mind. Okay. Um, and then the thing, the other thing that's going on here is that the cards that weren't put onto the battlefield, normally they go to the bottom of your library. This one puts them into the graveyard. It's great. So in mill type strategies like, well, Doretti, Felden, those already want things to go to the graveyard, although they want artifacts to go there and all your, you're going to cast all your artifacts, but still. Yeah, but Felden, Felden can use a card like and Kieran Nalar that's in the graveyard or or something that might have oh, good artifact point. synergies and still bring it back. Oh, so good it point. Has so, more... so Felden's not like all artifacts necessarily. So yeah. it just wants, yeah, that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this seems like a really good card. It's more narrow. It goes in fear decks, yeah. Like this one, we were trying to talk about the enchantment one, about how many enchantments you need. I think you need a critical mass of enchantments, but I think you need more artifacts for this one. Yeah. Because not only oh, you, you need want thirty to, artifacts, yeah, right? yeah, you want to improvise and you want to hit yeah. all the time. Estrids could be okay if you have you know fifteen art- enchantments, 20, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, and also enchantments just more likely to stick around. Yeah. The last one, uh, Aminatu's Augury, six blue blue for sorcery. Exile the top eight cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield until end of turn. For each non-land card type, you may cast a card. Of that type from among the exiled cards without paying its mana cost. So you top eight cards and you can play one of the nine, one each of all the nine card types that there are. Uh, this is interesting because you're you, losing value. You can't, like, if there's nine different card types. If you hit eight, you're like dancing a jig, right? Like, you hit the and then lottery. You can't, you can't get that ninth uh, yeah, type. You, yeah, you're going to be so disappointed. You can't get tribal. Oh. <laughs> This is an interesting one. It costs eight. It looks at eight. You're you're probably going to get... I mean, it can't be a deck where, like, you have 40 creature, 30 creatures in it, right? Because you're just likely to get too much Land of Land creature done. Yeah. You need, a, you need a decent mix of enchantment, artifact, instant sorcery. You probably need to hit at least three plus the land to feel good about it. 
but it does cheat mana cost, so it doesn't care how big that stuff is. So, but it cheats mana cost at the at at eight mana. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's a cheats, good point. Like when you, you could already cast something huge. Yeah, you start at eight mana and then you cheat mana cost up to fifteen. That's much less powerful than being at two and cheating up to eight. And the raw numbers of stuff doesn't matter necessarily because you can't cast certain things like counter spells off this or board wipes you may not or may not want to cast off of this. So there's stuff that you reveal. And you don't actually want to cast it then. There are cards you want to hold in your hand and be strategic about. This is only going to really be useful on things that, like, you know, you want to do right now, which is mostly creatures, artifacts, enchantments. Uh, it can be instants and sorceries, obviously, but those tend to be more situational. This is fun. It's over the top. I mean, I like it. I mean, I'd I'd copy it. If I mean, you if you cast it, I'd copy it. Would you fury storm it? I would. <laughs> This is a good card to Fury Storm. What if you could get three of those? <laughs> oh then you're going, my gosh. then you're going crazy. I mean, do you put it in like a Jaleva deck where you're cheating big spell spells, or is it even not good enough compared to the big spells you're already cheating out? Did you put it in a Narset deck? No, because Narset's trying to get extra combats and extra turns. But it goes eight deep to get exactly what you need. It's gonna get one of those. So it might be okay because you don't actually care if it gets three different things. You just want to get. You just want your one that you want. Yeah, so it might be okay. You're not, there's no creatures in there. There's sometimes planes. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like I still wouldn't do it because why not just put another extra yeah. turn spell? Nexus of Fate is going to be better, right? Yeah. So, mm, okay. Well, that's the one that's the most iffy. I think it, it'll still be fun and there'll definitely be stories where you get so much value off it that it wins you the game. It's just <laughs> totally too hit and miss. Yeah. Okay. So now those are the, the cycles and we're going to kind of go through some individual cards here or you kind of put them into mini cycles of I your own. I did put them into mini cycles. Um, which, which mini cycle would you like to talk about first, Josh? Um, That's an interesting mini cycle. Let's save that. Okay. I think this is... Uh, Here, let, let's talk about these two. Okay. These two? Yeah. I like these two. Uh, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Let's talk about... I, I know you mentioned when we were doing I the like episode that card, you like yeah. this card. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sower of Discord. Four black black for a 6-6 six, six demon with flying. As Sower of Discord enters the battlefield, choose two players. Whenever damage is dealt to one of the chosen players, the other chosen player also loses that much life. So we talked about this before, but... It's sort of Saskia's, but it doesn't in another way. So here's the thing. If I play it and I pick Jimmy and DJ, then whenever Jimmy takes damage, DJ will also, will also lose that much life. And whenever DJ takes damage, Jimmy will also lose that much life. This does some weird things in the game because Jimmy won't want to attack DJ anymore because he's doing damage to himself. And DJ won't want to attack Jimmy anymore because he's doing damage to himself. Now, player number four, let's say it's Mel, she might be more incentivized to hit either DJ or Jimmy just because it kind of doubles her damage when she does it. But I'm assuming Jimmy and DJ are more incentivized to hit you because you named the two players. So from a political standpoint, that part I'm not crazy about. I like it because there are so many effects in magic that hit all of your opponents and yeah. this multiplies that damage. So for example, if I play Pestilence yeah. and I Pestilence for five, then suddenly uh, Jimmy and who is the other one? You. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Jimmy and me, because Josh is the one activating Pestilence, take 10 instead. That's pretty good. It's Yeah. You could earthquake people out everything. probably. Totally earthquake people Because they're taking double from the earthquakes. Even that. little little incremental advantage like extort. Suddenly you're extorting and doubling that damage that they're taking. It's it's very cool. And also, by the way, don't forget to mention that this is a 6-6 six, six flyer for six. You just fly in and hit Jimmy and suddenly I'm taking six as well. That's That's pretty good. I don't like playing it because it's six mana and you're unlikely to be able to do 
anything else that turn. No, Maybe just heartless headed Sugu and you win the game. But I don't. Yeah, I don't like. Here's the thing. I'm going to play it, and the political ramifications are so big that if it, you're in danger, either one of you is in danger of dying from the 6-6 six, six doubling damage or, mm-hmm. you know, the pestilence thing, you immediately have to pull out all the stops to try and kill me. And I have to sit there for a turn probably because this didn't do anything when it hit the battlefield. And that's the part about it I don't like. It is cool, but, man, I wish it would cost a little bit mo- less mana so that I could do something else as a follow-up play and get that damage value right away. Seems unlikely. That's why I'm just a little bit down on it. It is a cool card, though. I think it's going to do interesting things at the table. It seems fun. I like it a lot, and uh, I can't wait to put it in some decks that manipulate life totals. Vile Smasher, I think this is where I might put it, and that has a lot of ways to play things at instant speed. It has Alchemist Refuge, Winding Canyon, Spidalk, and Orly Leyline of Anticipation. Not only will it do six damage when you cast it, I can do it on the end step, untap, and now all of a sudden with Vile Smasher, you know, I've got a... 66 percent chance luck, to your double luck is the damage hit Mel, yeah, then, then maybe <laughs> on your turn when i cast a spell it'll hit one yeah. of you like it's it's just a ping pong ball of damage effect that I, I i think the deck might want that's the one i might put it in i think damage damage doubling effects are very powerful and this isn't exactly that but it's kind it's of similar a, it's kind of a cool interesting interaction and i like i like focusing those players like i think it's interesting Okay, so the next one is Geode Golem. It's a 5-mana, 5-3 Golem artifact creature with Trample. It says, whenever Geode Golem deals combat damage to a player, you may cast your commander from the command zone without paying its mana cost. You still pay any additional costs, however. So, What's the biggest commander you can think of, Josh? The biggest one I can think of? Yeah, you get the most value from that. Let's look at the top end. Um got to be ember cool right yeah 13 i mean that's the biggest so basically you could attack with this and it lets you cast it right it lets you cast ember cool without paying its mana cost you still pay additional costs so commander tax you still pay oh okay but ember cool you haven't cast it yet because you're on five mana (laughs) so your your analogy still works like don't worry (laughs) um yeah ember cool sure i'm a little i didn't i didn't quite realize the additional costs so I liked the idea of your commander tax getting so high, this could kind of save you. The, and it does a little bit, but this only really works if we have huge commanders, right? I think it's a boon to the commanders with high uh, CMC. So maybe you're talking about your Maelstrom Wanderers and your... Would you y- play Avacyn, Angel of Hope? and That's a good one. That's a really good yeah. one. because, And again, white doesn't have a lot of ways to ramp. So this is sort of a weird rampy thing that it can do. It's got trample, so it's likely to deal combat damage. People see this coming. They know exactly what your commander is. They see you play this. It doesn't have haste. It's but, a bit of a lightning rod. Yeah, but I mean, that's okay. If they remove it, it's not like you put so many eggs in a basket, right? It's not that. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think yeah. you obviously need a big CMC commander and a, a deck that you want to be playing your commander. But this can end a game pretty quickly. It's, I like that it's cast, too. Yeah. The Eldrazi, you get your cast triggers. It's like cheating of mana cost, so it is inherently powerful. You're right, though. You do, you, you know, maybe there's a Voltroni deck or something that has Lightning Greaves and stuff already in it so that you can play it, suit it, swing, now put your commander into play. Although if you're doing that, you're going to be like, dang it, I wish I could have put my commander out with those Lightning Greaves, but <laughs> it is what it is. But it's okay because you've ramped into it and it's turn four. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this little... You, It's not an actual official cycle from Wizards, but 
But DJ put this cycle together. Yeah, I basically looked at it and said, this is something that these colors, it's one of each color. And this is something that literally the color does. And they're just leaning heavily into it. So this, so is, let's take, this is like in the color pie wheelhouse for each color. Absolutely. Okay. And so I'm just going to introduce it, talk about a card we talked about a little bit in the, the deck tech, uh, Whip Tongue Hydra. It's uh, five and a green for a four, four with reach. And when Whip Tongue Hydra enters the battlefield, uh, destroy all creatures with flying, put a plus one, plus one counter on Whip Tongue Hydra for each creature destroyed this way. Uh, so this seems Bane exactly, of Progress is flying creatures. Yeah, this is exactly what green does. Green mm -hmm. plays big creatures with reach, hates things with flying, does plus one, plus one counters. I feel like you will know what deck this belongs in. And I also want to mention it because I like this card a lot. I think it's very good. And with Blinky shenanigans, it becomes it can become oppressive to certain decks, especially ones that have flying commanders. You can be like, you know, if you've got that out in a rune deck, they can't play their Brago's commander. Brago's not doing anything ever. Yeah. Yeah, you're just going to blink it. Uh, every time, just yeah. boom, boom, boom. So that can be super powerful. Uh, okay, I'll go. Ooh, this is fun. We get to, like, pick, like, dodgeball. <laughs> so Knight Incarnate, that's... Uh, <laughs> Knight with an N, not Knight with a K like Game Knights. Knight Incarnate is four and a black for a 3-4 elemental with Death Touch. It says when Knight Incarnate leaves the battlefield, all creatures get negative three, negative three until end of turn. When it leaves the battlefield, and it can also be evoked for three and a black, which means you cast this spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacrificed when it enters the battlefield. So for three and a black, you can just give all creatures negative three, negative three, basically. Or you can pay for four and a black, and it's a 3-4 creature with death touch that sits out there. And, you know, you sacrifice it, you blink it, you get rid of it on your terms at your time, and then it gives everything negative three, negative three. And it's also a pretty good stop sign because it's a 3-4 with death touch. It's going to trade with something big and then maybe chew up all the little stuff, too. I think there's probably shenanigans you can pull where you do this twice in a turn to, like, sacrifice it mm -hmm. to Ashnaut's altar, reanimate it, sacrifice it again and negative six everything. There's probably some locks with this card where like, you know, you do it right and you just make it so no creatures can stay on the board ever. We've seen black decks really cycle through creatures, get them in and out, graveyard up and back and stuff like that. So we know that we can manipulate creatures in and out and just blanking everything is great. I mean, this just feels a little bit like black is great with board wipes, right? Black likes death touch. And they like the uh, negative one, negative. Yeah, they like get negative, around negative indestructible. And uh, yeah, to get around indestructible. And this kind of feels like Shriekma and, and that evoke effect. So it just feels like it belongs. Yeah, I think that card is actually sneaky good. And leaves the battlefield is very hard to interact with. Much harder than, you know, if it dies. Because mm -hmm. you can't exile, you can't tuck. It doesn't matter great that thing's probably going to happen unless you stifle or whatever yeah but, totally yeah. that's a great great point all right i'm going to pick the jumbo commander preview card oh you've already watched it i didn't know that was your preview card until just now really yeah well you didn't tell me oh okay wow <laughs> this is <laughs> this is awkward <laughs> this is the jumbo commander preview card ever watching threshold Two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent attacks you and or a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, draw a card. So it's propaganda draw a card. It doesn't stop them from attacking, I guess. That feels so blue though, right? It does. Yeah. Like all so far we're picking cards that feel like it. This feels very blue. And you're right. It doesn't exactly prevent them from attacking you. It just rewards you every it time you It disincentivizes it, but doesn't stop them. Exactly. And yeah. that's really a good blue political thing that they like to do. One thing that I do like about this card uh, is that 
it does say planeswalker on it you know um, in a world of planeswalker commanders yeah propaganda does not say planeswalker exactly so they can just swing at your your commander and get around that propaganda it's still not that great though right what that card this card you'll have to tune into my preview special <laughs> where you'll find out <laughs> that thing's probably been out for like a week at this point well i don't know i don't know i don't know when this is out but anyways this is this is i'm, I'm gonna do some good stuff with this uh but i mean what do you think josh uh i don't think it's that great i don't I, i'd rather how many cards do you think you can draw off of this i don't know a couple you're only going to draw them if your opponents are fine with you drawing them if they're not they won't or, or they'll they be killing you. you that's pretty good thing is if i play this and they don't attack me for three or four turns right and i don't get any and then they get enough creatures that they do attack me but they hit me for like 30 that's see that might be all the time i need and what happens if i make them attack me let's move on <laughs> Is it real? Will and Rowan? Is it the Lannister twins? Is that the deck it goes in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. No, I don't. I don't like it. I like to know what's going to happen. I don't like giving my opponents the choice because my opponents are usually pretty smart and they make good choices. I like drawing cards. Is what I like to do. You won't until you're Josh. Josh truly doesn't like drawing enough cards. Oh yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Libel. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one is slander. The, yeah. The next one is it's the Magus of one of my favorite old cards of all time, which is banned in our format. So it's Magus of the Balance. So it's one and a white for a human wizard. It's a two-two, but you pay four and a white and tap and sacrifice Magus of the Balance, and then pay attention. Each player chooses a number of lands. They control equal to the number of lands controlled by the player who has the fewest, then sacrifices the rest. Players discard cards and sacrifice creatures the same way. So you play Megas of the Balance, you activate it, you look around the table, it says, who has the most lands? DJ says, I have four, I have five. Everyone sacrifices until There's they the have least, five the lands. The least lands. Yeah, the least yeah. lands, sorry. Uh, he says, I have five. You've got seven. Some, some green players got ten. Everybody goes down to five lands. Then you go, who's got the least amount of cards in hand? And Mel says, oh, I have three everyone discards down to three cards and then who's got the least amount of creatures in play and somebody says i've got two everybody sacrifices down to two creatures so now everybody's left with five lands two creatures three cards in hand everything is balanced oh my gosh everything's balanced except (laughs) except except you know you have this ability a you know you have it and when you're going to use it b it does not say artifacts it does not say enchantments and it does not say planeswalkers so if those are the card types you're playing, then Megas of the Balance is going to be, how many creatures do you have? Well, I have zero, guys. Sorry, because I don't play creatures except for Megas of the Balance, which I just sacrificed. So no creatures. Well, how many cards do you have? Maybe you discarded your cards because you know you're going to play this thing. So everybody's Maybe gonna... you're in white and you've never drawn a card in your entire life. And one really mean thing to do that I used to do all the time is get something like Zuranorb out and sacrifice all my lands before I activated a card like this. Or again, you're in white and you've never ramped yeah. ever. So <laughs> it it's, and I have, maybe I have uh, mana rocks yeah. and other people don't have as many. This can really beat up on the green player who's being really greedy with their lands. And I, it's a, it's a kind of effect we need in the format. Um, so I, I, I like this card. I think it's going to be tough to use because it's slow. The Meguses are very slow. Everybody sees it coming. And an effect like this is so backbreaking to people that they'll pull out every stop they've got to try and prevent it from happening. And in general, if the entire table doesn't want something to happen, it's not going to. So if you can give this haste somehow, then maybe it's okay. But that's seven mana in a turn. 
balance was so great and broken, and the reason that it's banned is that it's just one in a white for sorcery. <laughs> That's just insanity. I uh, love playing balance. Like oh, a yeah. cube. Oh my gosh, I love it. I used to play back in the revised days. I had a land destruction deck that was Armageddon's balances, and then it was all like manor, like birds of paradise and Ankh of Mishra's. And so all I would do, are you guys learning more about Josh right now? Like you're seeing into his soul. That's this how is, I started this is playing. One, that's how you started playing. Whatever. Mr. Null chamber. Nevermore. <laughs> yep. <Okay. laughs> Got him. One, he's like, one of my, he's like one, guilty as charged. One of my first decks is I was the black player. So I had him to Torox and, and uh, dark oh, rituals him to hypnotic specters and you sinkholes. were the discard deck guy. And sinkholes. And sinkholes. That was magic back in the day, though. And then Singer Vampire, obviously. You know what was my best deck back in the day? It was actually, it was a Howling Mine deck. It was a um, Underworld Dreams, Howling Mine, Wheel of Fortune, and Storm Seeker, which deals damage equal to the amount of cards Ooh. in your hand. And I would kill people with forked Storm Seekers or forked Wheel of Fortunes, which is basically Nekusar now. That's but I was great. running it back in the day because, and I developed the deck because a guy in my playgroup played a dedicated discard deck. And my combat way to combat it was to draw more cards than he could make me discard. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds magical. Yeah, it was the best. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, back to this something my, this else my, that's magical. That's right. You nabbed it from me. <laughs> this, is, this is my turn. Yeah, but I'm just saying. My turn. You I know. nabbed it from me. Yeah. <laughs> the title of the, the card of the card is Treasure Nabber. <laughs> two and a red for a 3-2 Goblin Rogue. Whenever an opponent taps an artifact for mana, gain control of that artifact until the end of your next turn. So their mana rocks, you get them, and you get to use them on your turn. This card is really cool. I love this card. I don't know if it's good, but it's super cool. It's even better in a, in a multiplayer format. Oh, yeah. Just imagine it goes around and everyone's like, I'm, are you going to tap your soul ring? Of course I'm going to tap my soul ring. Mana crypts, soul rings... It's not as good with Grim Monoliths and Mana Vaults because they would still be tapped, right? But Signets, Mind Stones, Thrawn Dynamos, all that stuff. And those are just... Listen, there's barely a game where you don't see some Signets and Soul Rings. Totally. Yeah. It seems really good. However, this I is a really like, bad top tech on turn nine or something. It doesn't do much at you're all. You're right. They'll yeah. just stop tapping their stuff. But you also have the ability, being in red, to manipulate artifacts. You can... Like, you can switch things around. You can Goblin Welder it for value. Duretti. Duretti. Like, you could, even if you have a sacrifice outlet like Claws of Gix or Core Clan Ironworks, you can just be like, yep, I'm going to get, I'm going to tap it for mana. Get two mana from Core Clan Ironworks. Here's it. your artifact back. Right. I mean, if you have Duretti, Core Clan, Iron, Core Clan Ironworks, something like that, they're just not tapping their stuff for mana until they get rid of that, right? That seems great. Yeah. That hampers them, but I'm just saying like. I mean, but you could get it and then play, you know, KCI. True, and they don't know. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think it's, it's fun. I think it's okay. Uh, Duretti, I like it. But. I think I think it's fun. I don't think it's super duper overpowered. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I might, I mean, in an aggressive deck, like I have a Perforos deck that might like this kind of stuff because it has like a little bit of land destruction, a little bit of hampering them and, and every effect is on a creature. So you can like get the damage and get some damage in and stuff like that. Okay. It's a know. goblin, I might right? give it a try. It's a goblin. So, so goblin decks could maybe run it as sort of a utility goblin. It's a rogue. You can prowl yeah. off of it. Okay. <laughs> in red. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. So these, what 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 was this grouping of cards? Um, This grouping of cards, we we found that it didn't really fit in the decks that it was in. But well, we see we see how powerful it can be in the right type of deck. 
And the first card that we've noticed this was Blood Tracker. We we didn't say it was like a very bad card. We just said it, we felt like it really didn't fit in. It was in the Lord Windgrace sort of lands mattered deck, and it doesn't have to do with that. But this can can be good in certain decks. Yeah. So let's read three it. Three and a black for a two two vampire wizard flying black. Pay two life. Put a plus one plus one counter on Blood Tracker. Uh, when Blood Tracker leaves the battlefield, draw a card for each plus one plus one counter on it. I think this is actually pretty strong. Actually, it probably just belonged in the Aminatu deck. Oh, you're right. Because you can, you can blink just it. blink it and then draw a bunch of cards. You put like, oh, I'll put two counters on it, blink it, draw two cards, and it's still there for me to do that again later. So that's not the worst. I mean, we have, there are some plus one plus one counters, not even synergies though. They just exist in these decks. There's nothing that like puts a bunch of plus one plus one counters on something. There's yeah. that loyal um, rhinoceros or whatever, but it's only going to put one. <laughs> Yeah, but we know that there are decks out there that love plus one plus one counters. Right, right. In the can, in like, the yeah in the yeah. wider world, yeah, exactly. double them up, do crazy stuff with plus one plus one counters, and I mean, suddenly think, you have something that lets you draw cards off of it. If like your deck a, has like hardened scales, kind of? winding constrictor. Oh, winding constrictor. Uh, if it That's has great. hardened scales and winding constrictor in it, then this card's probably something you want in your deck because. Again, leaves the battlefield so hard to get around. And worst case scenario, if you just have like a, you know, 7-7 seven, seven flyer, <laughs> or if you have hardened sales, it'd be hard to get to 7-7. Seven, seven. Maybe an 8-8 eight, eight flyer, they have to get rid of it at some point. And you're just like, well, okay, fine. I'll just draw six cards. That seems okay. Like, it seems fine. It seems great. Yeah. Uh, and then also, um, we mentioned Marchesa. Oh, yeah, it's so good in Being Marchessa. able to just immediately put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It's a vampire. Vampires have plus one, plus one counter synergies. It's a wizard, not known for plus one, plus one counter synergies, but still, it feels like it belongs so many other places, and we might have taken it out and trash-talked it in Lord Windgrace, but I think it's a really solid card. Yeah, I think that's a card that has homes in uh, multiple decks, and we're going to see it on the battlefield. This is another one I think that's pretty good in a lot of decks, and and it's an area that a lot of decks are sort of weak in and totally. need to have more of this effect. So it's Ravenous Slime, two and a green for a one-one ooze. Ravenous Slime can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. I don't know why it says that. I don't that. know why it says that either. If a creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile it and put a number of one-one counters equal to that creature's power. On ravenous slime, so it has that Anafenza effect where anything that would Anafenza, go to the grave, Kalidus, yeah, like, it's good. That's a good effect that is not played enough, like you said. That effect can shut down decks like the Marchesa deck. The Marchesa deck is like, ah, my whole thing is I'm gonna like let Mirin my stuff decks, die and get it back. Carador decks, yeah. all of that stuff. And so, if you have that effect on a creature that you want, and it has the potential to get huge. See, this is a Mana Gorder Hydra style card that I can get behind, right? Because it's going to grow slowly over time, and it's going to get big. Mana Gorger Hydra, I know it spells cast, but I'm just saying like it has that ability. As things happen on the battlefield, as creatures die, mm -hmm. it starts to grow, and it starts to grow, and it gets big. And a big creature, it's not that it's bad. It's just that by itself, it's not that great. But this is having the added effect of, if a, of exiling creatures so they don't go to the graveyard, which stops so many little shenanigans. Like, what, was, what were we saying um, was a good card to reanimate, that Knight Incarnate? If they're going to be doing that thing where they sort of lock down the table somehow because they're just able to get Night Incarnate out, sacrifice it, get it back out, reanimate it, and they're in some kind of cycle, well, Ravenous Slime would stop. No, it wouldn't because they'll just die when they Ravenous uh, <laughs> Incarnate the first time. <laughs> Bad example, but you get what I'm saying because... Well, it's obviously bigger than this, right? By right, that right. Point at in time. that point, point in time, <laughs> it's like a 9-9 or whatever. But you get what I'm saying. Like, the 
creatures can't go to the graveyard. They get exiled. That does just stop. Shadowborn apostles. Like this whole aristocrat strategy. It's strategies that people really like, even if it's something small, like, Oh, I have like a sun Titan and I like this, this synergy. It's like, no, you can't just keep cycling that thing all the way through. It doesn't work. Yeah. So I think this card is actually pretty good. Pretty strong. Okay. There's a new land. Uh, There's a couple of new lands, but there's one that's in every deck. Yeah, it's Forge of Heroes. It's a land that just taps for a diamond mana. Mm-hmm. And just that's it. You can play the land, tap for diamond mana. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> the important part is it doesn't come into battlefield tapped. Uh, tap, choose target commander that entered the battlefield this turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it if it's a creature. And a loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker. Very interesting. The planeswalker part is definitely better than the plus one counterpart it's clearly but would you play this if you had a plus one plus one counter deck like uh yeah i think i would yeah if my commander cared about it specifically What about like purr and toothy kind of thing yeah i think so yeah i think i think so but in general one loyalty is worth a lot it is worth a lot more than a plus one plus one counter yeah a lot of times it gets it cuts a whole turn off of your can i get to my now it has to be your commander so we can kind of mentally go through the commanders there's these four that we've just talked about and the five from before. So there's only there's a total of nine. Will and Rowan. And Will and Rowan. 10, so 11. there's 10, 11. Yeah. yeah. So there's these four and then the five from before, which are in each color, the monocolored ones, which is Nahiri, Fraley's. Teferi, Obnixilis, and... Duretti. Duretti, yeah. And Will and Rowan, like you mentioned. So you can see how this Planeswalker ability affects it. You can be like, well, am I playing this? What will it do giving one more loyalty? Does that really make it a game changer? I mean, I think it's valuable no matter what. It feels like on all the monocolored ones, your mana base can easily handle this. Oh, totally. So that already, I think, like, you would probably do it. I mean, the Teferi deck is a CEDH deck if it's built that way, and those people maybe are going, okay, fine. It's CEDH. You guys are so so highly tuned. They might. Um, I think what really matters is how it cuts down on your clock to get to ultimate. So if it gives you a full turn less that you need to go to get to ultimate, then it's going to be a lot better than something like... Or maybe gives you two minuses. Because look well. at Lord Windgrace, right? He comes in with five loyalty and he ultimates at 11. So if he comes in with six loyalty, it doesn't change your clock. You're still going to have to plus three times and you'll just be at 12 instead of 11. Same thing with Estrid. If it comes in at four, you go up to eight instead of seven. And so, yes, it'll still be alive when you ultimate, but it won't let you ultimate any earlier. Right. So I think that kind of is a big factor, especially when it's three colors and your mana base is a lot more taxed by having a colorless thing in there. So that's something I would think about. It it does seem good to me, though. And Planeswalker decks, it feels like that's going to be the place for this card. But you're right. There are probably some plus one counter decks that like just want to put plus one, plus one counters. So what's that other land that puts a plus one, plus one counter? So there's one that uh, does it for colorless creatures, right. and there's Is one that does it for green Opal creatures. Opal Palace. Yeah, so, I mean, we already had access to this effect. I think decks that were running Opal Palace, if they want two of those, that's fine. I think Opal Palace is a little underrated. There are some decks that should run it, maybe that people don't think of it. Because it can fix you even though it filters, but it can give you multiple plus one, plus one counters. But, I mean, people like Opal Palace, and this could reproduce that effect. I like to uh, Pern Toothy or um, the, yeah. the Naya General that from the old pre-con. The Naya General from the old pre-con. Mayel? Yeah. No. It's not that. <laughs> Why do I keep picking cards? We don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We were almost done with this segment. <laughs> 
All right, we're just going to move on. So if you know what the Night General from the old Precon is, yay, good for you. Let's go on to... This is the most interesting part, and I wish there were more cards here, honestly, because these are the cards that we pulled aside and said, listen, from a design perspective, it looks as if R&D looks at the commander format or is looking at the commander format and trying to cover some bases or help some colors or strategies out that maybe they feel need help. So this is what I love about the commander format because I, they can flex their design muscles and say, well, can we create something that makes the format better? Yeah. I think the poster child for this is Teferi's protection from last year. So it's, it's totally. clearly aimed at cyclonic rift and mostly cyclonic cyclonic rift, but things like that, where it's trying to say, okay, there's a very powerful card in the format. What are some ways that we can tools we can give people so that that card's maybe nerfed a little bit without banning that card or doing something to the card specifically? Absolutely. So yeah, this is this, this is, is the card the best that we example. yeah, and we talked about it uh, so much. So I'll lead off with it. It's Enchanter's Bane, one in a red for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step. Target enchantment deals damage equal to its converted mana cost to its controller unless that player sacrifices it. So at your end step. You pick an enchantment on the board, presumably not yours, and its CMC goes to the face of somebody, right? Yeah, so it's red enchantment answer? Enchantment hate. Yeah. It doesn't... Well, they can sacrifice it. And red, basically, red doesn't have very many answers to enchantments. It's really lacking, and sometimes you definitely notice it because you're playing the red deck, and there's all these enchantments around, and yet... You're like, I feel like you have no options. I can't do anything about that. I have like, like two cards in my deck maybe that can do anything. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. I have one Chaos Warp and that's being saved or that's yeah. already used. Or I just don't have it in my hand right now Yeah, because I only have one in my deck. Um, I think this card is interesting, but I wish they would have pushed it a little bit more. It doesn't feel very good. I don't, I don't think it's very good either. I don't, I, I'm super happy that they're pushing this design space. I'm very, I think it's interesting. I hope that some people will try it out and it will be very good, but I'm not convinced to run it. Yeah. I said before, it should sort of be, I think that this card should have been like Tabernacle at Pendulum Enchantments, but it does damage rather than. That would have been great. Then pay yeah. the upkeep. So it, it says like, if you have a lot of them, then you, I'm going to start dinging you. And if you have, you know, a couple, maybe you take two damage per enchantment on your upkeep or on my upkeep. I think I like the sound of that. Do you know what? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll start keep pushing this it's, area. It's the right idea. That. Yeah. It's the right idea. And so I like Good that. Job. Yeah. I like that they know, okay, we need, within the color pie constraints that we have, we do still want to be able to have some way to just not lose to those certain cards with no ability to do anything. Um, this one's an interesting one. So it's Vidalkin Humiliator. Humiliator. Humility. Got it. It's three and a blue for a 3-4 Vidalkin Wizard, but it has Metalcraft. Whenever a Vidalkin Humiliator attacks, if you control three or more artifacts, creatures your opponents control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1 one, one until end of turn. So this kind of shrinks all your opponent's creatures it's not just the the opponent you're attacking it's creatures your opponents control so all creatures on the battlefield that are your opponents become one ones with base to power and toughness uh one one sorry and lose all abilities until end of turn when you attack with this thing it's pretty interesting now you have to have a way to take advantage of that right now but you might be able to do things like attack turn off a critical ability and then therefore do something that you wouldn't be able to do if that creature's ability was still active, like I don't know, patron wizard or something like that comes to mind, something, or yeah. yeah, something that, or th like a, 
Maybe there's like a Thalia out or there's a Grand Architect. There's so many crazy things. Or Grand Arbiter or yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. So this is an interesting card. One thing that's really interesting is that it rewards attacking. Like Metalcraft is something that yeah. Blue does. You know what I mean? And then also turning things into 1-1's nobilities like Polymorphous Jest is something that Blue does as well. But, but the this attacking is part on is attack. It's you like think a, it would tap and do that if you have Metalcraft or something. I know. But like I like that they're basically saying, look, we want Blue to attack. We know that you have smaller creatures. Get in there. Yeah. Like, get, get That's a, get true because you could attack with this and other things. And then all of a sudden all this stuff's 1-1 and they can't block. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool. I mean, I know that blue does have some things that attack, like every color attack. Are you playing this in like any that. decks, though? Would you play it in a... I was thinking about playing it in a um, an, Edric, an Edric deck, but... Um, you need a lot of artifacts, though, for it to happen. I know, that that doesn't work. Um, I mean, would you play it in... I like the idea of a Thopter deck, of a, you know, go-wide Thopters. I think that's kind of cool. Suddenly, your Thopters... It's like, yeah, you can block it, but actually, no, you can't because none of your creatures have flying. Hmm. And now my Thopters thop thop in for damage. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I think the problem is, and you've already got to have Metalcraft. So then that's a hoop I've got to jump through. So I got to make sure I have a lot of artifacts. What artifact deck wants this effect? Like, I guess Pyrohemia or Pestilence or something's really good in that instance. <laughs> like, how do you take advantage of it? <laughs> But Pestilence it, is really good. But what's the Pyrohemia or Pestilence of, deck that has a bunch of artifacts that knows you're going to have Metalcraft? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's a tough. It's tough to fit those things together. I don't know. I'm not sold. It seems like there's ways to use it, but it's just so many hoops to jump through that it's like, ah, I'll just play Blasphemous Act and call it good. Yeah. Let's look at an artifact: Endless Atlas, two colorless, and it has an activated ability to tap, draw a card, activate this ability only if you control three or more lands with the same name. I like this one a lot. And this seems pointed directly at mono white. Totally. Or maybe like Boros or mono red. But mono, it's, Yeah, mono red too, yeah. It's card draw for the ones that have a hard time drawing cards. And it specifically is sort of like a bone you can throw them because they're going to play a lot of basics. Like white often <clears throat> plays a lot of basics because Amiria is a card that you like to have. Uh, same thing with red. You often play a lot of mountains because you have um, uh, Valakut yep, sometimes yep. in your deck. So sometimes you lean towards, oh, I'm just going to play a little bit more to have a critical mass. And that means that by the time you need to be drawing cards, turn four or five, you're going to have three lands that share the same name. And then suddenly uh, two mana draw card, two mana draw card, two mana draw card. It helps like three color decks and above don't need a lot of help with card draw because they have access to by default either black green or blue because they're three color and so they have enough card draw so this helps out the ones who don't have enough card draw which are two color and monocolor decks so well designed yeah i just think really, i think it's great just <laughs> and mono white needs needs the help thank you it is really elegantly designed yeah. who whoever did this like really great job Okay, so the next one is a land. It's Isolated Watchtower. You can tap it for colorless or diamond mana. Doesn't come into play tap, so that's good. You can pay two, tap it, and scry one. Then you may reveal the top card of your library. If a basic land card is revealed this way, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Activate this ability only if an opponent controls at least two more lands than you. Another card that seems designed to maybe not punish, but help against those green land-based ramp decks. So clearly, I think they know that's a weird advantage that green has because of the social contract and the, our inability to play 
the cards that really punish the cultivates and the sky shroud claims and the, the explorations of the burgeonings. Yeah. And so here's a way that, you know, they can start to give tools to be able to even the playing field to the other decks because we're not going to play Armageddon's and wildfires and stuff. So very cool card reminds me a little bit of scrying sheets. Yep. Also reminds me of one of my underrated cards. Soldevi excavations. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, because it, the scry itself is valuable, and the fact that you can sometimes ramp with it is just you know great. On top of that, I can see playing this in a lot of different decks. Yeah, a lot of decks. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, last in this category, we have Boreas Charger, two and a white for a two-one Pegasus. Of course, the Pegasus has flying, and when Boreas Charger leaves the battlefield, choose an opponent who controls more lands than you. Search your library for a number of planes cards equal to the difference and reveal them. Put one of them onto the battlefield tapped and the rest into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So it's Knight of the White Land Tax. <laughs> right? It is Knight of the White Land Tax. Abs- absolutely right. So it ramps you for sure. If It's got to leave is- the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When it leaves the battlefield. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because... That makes it quite a bit worse, honestly. It is. Because when do you want to ramp? I don't want to ramp on turn seven. I need it on turn three when this comes out. Uh, I didn't even notice that. Okay, well, if you can get it to but leave. But it is. It's, here's the thing. We can, we can, can talk blink about it, it. You can blink it. So yeah. Brago Rune, Aminatu, they can all do the thing. So that's good. This should have. Oh, it is in the Aminatu deck. Okay. Um, they have to have more lands than you. But it's for each. Also, it's each opponent that has more lands than you. Choose an opponent who controls oh, more lands than you. and then it's that yeah. many more lands. And then you search your library for that many planes equal to the difference and reveal them. So if they've I mean, got nine lands and you've got six. One on the battlefield tapped. Two, two in, in your, your hand. hand. And planes specifically. So honestly, blinking this isn't the greatest because in a rune, brago, I'm not to blink deck, whatever, how many basic planes are you likely to have? Probably, s- probably six is probably. And on the, the ones high that side. you're that you're describing, they have their their own forms of ramp. I have a feeling this belongs in Boros or Mono White, where, yeah. where ramp is really a problem. Yeah, where you're okay just dealing some damage, dealing some damage, dealing some damage, and then it dies, and suddenly you get to refill your hand a little bit and catch up a little bit with that green player. Sure, because at that point in time, maybe turn six or seven. They're up to nine or ten lands, and you are literally at like five or six. Yeah, that's a good point. And one of the really good uses of land tax is to use just cards in hand as a resource. You know, lands are cards. Yeah. So maybe combined with Boros, you can do some rummaging and other things like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I wish it was when it entered the battlefield or something. That yeah. that does. It's harder to control it. You know, you could sacrifice it or something, but that seems. It's one more step. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, those are the cards we pulled aside for the Commander 2018 set review here. We've talked about a lot of the cards we didn't talk about today in the various deck reviews for each of the decks. So if you if there's a card that you wish we talked about, maybe we talked about it in one of the other episodes if you missed that. Otherwise, feel free to mention in the comments and let us know which cards you think we missed. Okay, we're going to go through and do a little... Uh, a little like wrap up question and answer period here about the commander set. It's kind of the best of segment. Yeah, I think. Okay. So let's just really quickly think of what we think the best new commander is. Best can mean anything. It can mean your favorite, most excited to play 
or build or what you think is the most powerful. It's it, that's your choice. And then let's we'll do three, two, one, and say it both at the same time again, so we can't cheat. Okay. I think we know what this one is. Okay. Three, two, one. Lord, Lord Windgrace. Grace. Yeah, I think that's the the coolest as far as like that deck of going doing that land dance just sounds the most fun. So, okay. So I said Lord Windgrace because I think it's the most powerful and I think it's going to be really strongly built, but I'm excited about a few other ones. Like I'm excited about the mono red one that makes survivors. That's super interesting. I'm I'm excited about your key. Eureka. Eureka. The ninja ninja one. I'm excited about Esper zombies. Verena. I mean, all of this, I think this is a wonderful set. I constantly like, uh, Oh my gosh. I'm excited Just about Stow Commander. Yeah, I'm excited about uh having an enchantress that can live in my command zone and has blue in it. So that seems pretty cool. All uh, of it is great. Okay. This one's a little bit harder. What do you think is the best new card, period, that goes in the ninety nine? So not commander. The best new card. Let me think here. This is a hard one. Okay. I got it. You got it? I got it. Three, two, one. Windgrace's Judgment. <laughs> so if it's got the word Windgrace on it, it's pretty good. I think Windgrace's Judgment is a slam dunk. Do we have a do we have a secondary like best best card? What we think the second best card is? Yeah. Do we um, have a second best card that we think of? Let me look through here. <laughs> quick, quick, quickly, Windgrace's because silence is death is, in radio. Man, Windgrace's Judgment is so good. I think it's like exponentially better than the cards around it, honestly. Yeah, it's 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 sort of really sort of it really stands out as like that card's just gonna go. I think in basically every. It deck. really is better. It really yeah. is better than the other cards around it. Honestly. It feels like the Teferi's protection of this set in that it's gonna become a staple. Now it's two color, so it's way more narrow. But the other like cards that I but the other cards that I like a lot, like uh, the other one, this uh, Sahili's Directive, and is only with artifacts. And so I like that card a lot, but again, it's narrow. Just like this is narrow with only two colors. No, it's like, this is way more narrow. Same thing with the enchantment copying Estrid's invocation. I, so, I, I think fury storm might actually be my second favorite. Card. That's a good call. I, I like that too. I think that's powerful. I think it's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you could only buy one of the decks, we've got the Lord Windgrace, the Aminatu, Estrid, and the Sahili deck. You're going to say Lord Windgrace because you think that's the best commander. No, I'm not. Okay. Which of the four pre-cons would you, if you could only get one, which one would you get? Are we counting down or are you just asking me this question? Uh, oh, yeah. You confused me. But, yeah. Um, counting down. Three, two, one. Sahili. Oh, interesting. Because I like all of the other commanders. The odd tribal, the ninja, and the Esper zombies. Oh, yeah. Zombies. You get the most? I, I get the most things that I really like. I've wanted to build that Is It artifact deck for a while. I didn't when Joyra came out because uh, I know she is out and, and one of the good ones. So I'm anxious to decide which of those I'm going to use, but I, I do want to build that deck. So I'd, yeah. I'd take the Sahili deck. Okay. Last question. What do you think of Commander 2018 as a whole? So all the pre-cons, all the cards. What are your impressions about it? We won't obviously do a countdown. Can, I do, can I do like highs and lows? Sure, just, so, just, so a, like, just a quick overview of, of your thoughts about the entire set. The low point is that I don't I don't see a lot of great reprints. I don't see a lot of money value in these in these cards. I mean, there isn't, right? Like Aminatu had, like we couldn't find a card in there that we thought was an, worth anything or a notable reprint. I think the most expensive card we found was Unwinding Clock, maybe? Oh, no, it was, um, was the... Enchantress's Presence. 
Enchanter's Presence, right? I mean, yeah, I guess so. MTG Goldfish is who we keep telling you to go look at and see the value, but it doesn't seem like there's... Usually there's two or We can three, literally point to them and like say value, value. Yeah, like stuff that's worth 10 or $15. There's us- I don't see why they can't put like one 12 or $15 reprint card in each pre-con. I, I don't understand why that's not a thing. Yeah, that is a little disappointing about right, it. So that's that's the low the low side, the side that's making me a little bit sad. But then let's talk about the high side, which is all of the different legendaries we have. I mentioned three of them that I'm excited about because they're so unique, but it literally feels like we're getting archetypes all over the place and archetypes that we've always been asking for. So yeah, like getting four new commanders is great, but getting like seven different archetypes, like seven different things that we've really been wanting, ninjas and zombies and enchantments and all of this stuff. Ugh, I think it's just so, so great to have that many different commanders because we literally, it's not just getting 17 new cards in your deck. It's opening up whole new commander decks that can be built all differently and so you're just going to run into so many different cool things at commander tables it is a good time to be alive yeah it's pretty exciting there's a lot of cool stuff in there i'm anxious to pull apart all the pieces and build new decks or tune up old decks with some of this new stuff that is very cool as always this is usually their best product release each year and i think this year is no different um okay now we go to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic what do you got, TJ? All right. So we enjoy we enjoy Commander. We enjoy games. And so, uh, and most of the time, the games that I've really liked across like my history of playing games have been very like strategic and like thoughtful and and things like that. So I've loved, do you ever play Axes and Allies? Oh yeah. Yeah, Axes and Allies, like I used to spend hours just setting it up, no, just, but actually like playing That's the true. game. That's <laughs> true. So fun though. <laughs> but it's just so much fun and I've really liked this. And then, but as we've grown up and games have become a little bit more mainstream, uh, I've I've been subjected to like the party game. Right. I don't like I don't like party games very much. You're not a party game guy? I'm not a party game. Like apples to apples, like I just want to leave that party. So I'm confused because the NSEP is usually about something cool. I know. So I have two games that are a little bit party games. A little bit party that, that games. Are, that are collaborative, cooperative games okay. that I've really enjoyed. The first one was introduced to me, not at this most recent GP Vegas, but the GP Vegas before that. Okay. It's called Hanabi. Have you ever heard of this game before? I've heard of it. I've actually seen people play it. I've never played it though. It's a great game where you have to give the right information to your uh, to other players they have to pick up on the information you're working together it's very sort of political in that way and you're sort of playing solitaire or building this fireworks show uh and cooperative games like that are are not the normal way that i like to play games but might really work with commander players who like to sort of interact with other people like that other level of the game where is it isn't just i kill you and you kill me there's right. a little bit more politics to it and the last one that has a little bit more politics have you ever played secret hitler no i've heard of this game but i haven't played yeah it. so secret hitler is almost like werewolf or yeah. mafia which um, are two of my favorite games oh then you would love secret hitler because there's fascists and and you're trying to disguise your uh you're trying to disguise your role and you're trying to either get to have hitler become chancellor or you're trying to uh basically have hitler killed yeah, it's very much like Werewolf and Mafia. Very, very much like Werewolf and Mafia. And so those are some games that kind of expanded my horizon. So before I was like, no, I don't want to play the cooperative game or I don't want to play this party game. 
But I'm kind of like, no, I, I kind of like some of these things. I think skills from Werewolf and Mafia and Secret Hitler, games like that, Battlestar Galactica, the game that was very similar That's to right. that, um, are very transferable to Commander, and I use them all the time. Mm-hmm. As far as like the social, political manipulation skills are very, very... You hone them in games like that, and then you can use them in Commander. So it does translate. Totally translates. Being able to give certain information, like to turn people against other people, uh, sow seeds of doubt in people's minds. It's great. I love that stuff. Okay, something else I love. Our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them at the MMCast on Twitter or right next to us on Collected.Company. Make sure to check out DJ's YouTube channel, which is called Jumbo Commander. If you just put that in the search bar, you will come up with a ton of deck texts, deck texts, and other things related to the command. I'm losing it. To the Commander <laughs> format. That's why he's called Jumbo Commander. Wow, so go yeah. check out his YouTube channel. So we've done a lot of videos. You can tell from the way Josh is closing out this episode. Uh, We've been working really hard and we're not the only ones. All of our editors have been working so hard putting all of this stuff together. So we want to thank Craig Blanchett, Terry Robertson, and Murph. Josh Murphy. Way to go. We love you guys. Thank you so much for editing all this stuff. They're amazing. We also love Jeffrey Palmer. Look at this beautiful background. It's Ascanta. I'm surprised you guys even look at us with Ascanta behind us. They probably us. don't. At Living Cards MTG. All right, everybody. Keep looking at Ascanta, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.